Welcome everybody to Flyover Footy. This is our second episode and um, we're brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. As well as uh, we picked up a new um, a new sponsor in Icarus. Uh, those amazing Jersey uh, creators over there in uh, the Pennsylvania region. I think outside Philly. but um, So that's exciting. Uh, but mostly, this is the official first episode we're going to post. If you're listening to this, that means you've probably, if you chose to see it on Twitter, our new logo, it's official. I intend to keep it for till the end of time. Um, created by Mike Pendleton, has this nice retro 60s airline look to it, which is perfect for um, our name. And so I'm excited to show that. And we're going to rebrand everything, our name, our where to find us online. It'll be at Flyover Footy. Um, on Twitter and all those and on Instagram and all that. So um, that's exciting. I just wanted to say that right off the bat and uh, move right on to the next thing because a rebrand is a rebrand. But we have David Simpson here today from STL Pickup Soccer. Um, of course, we have Santiago and we have Stuart. Matt couldn't make it tonight. Um, but how's everybody doing, David? Thanks for uh, coming out tonight, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've got Bush beer. You, you brought your own soda? <laughs> I, I'm not a beer guy, yeah. Perfect. Um, let's start with it, man. What's your history with STL Pickup Soccer? Well, I, I mean, first, I guess I'll, I'll let you guys in on news. Uh, San Luis Pickup Soccer is going to rebrand here. Mm. We're going to... No, we're not. Oh. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, good, I'm not the only one. We've, uh, we keep talking about the logo and whether we should have... Because the logo actually came from a submission of players... We had a pool put out and, I don't know, got 12 submissions. Three of them were really, really good, and this one rose to the top. Uh, we kept talking about doing that again, but we never have because we really like the current logo. Mm-hmm. It just works. But, uh, yeah, so most of our history, um, at least as far as the original founding of the group, I only know secondhand. I'm not an original of, of it. I was kind of a new kid on the block in, 20, in uh, 2011, 2009, 2010, um, very loosely associated group of people started coming together to play pickup. They tried to build up an email list. Uh, in 2010, they created a meetup group, and it was, you know, maybe two or three times a week they would play, typically the afternoon, someplace at like Shaw Park or Human Park, and then sometime... Um, on the weekends, they would join other games, like an ongoing game at Wash U that's been going on for decades. They just kind yeah. of play with them and promote it as their own thing, kind of. Um, St. Louis Pickup uh, really came about as a brand by rebranding that meetup group and then launching a Facebook group. Um, meetup group in late 2010, Facebook group took off in 2011. Not old enough for MySpace, I guess. Um, well, that was still used, though. MySpace had become, and I don't even know if it's around anymore, it had become the music place. Mm-hmm. Music artists still went there. It was, I guess it was the SoundCloud at the time. Sure. Um, but yeah, no one, no one used that. I mean, even Facebook was already, there were already talks about it being an old person's social media by then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think... Google Plus may have existed already. Twitter may have existed already. But that's where I found you is Facebook, and that seems to be where most people go still, right? It's Yeah, it's our home. It's our central location, and it's 
by far, with all the talks of its demise, Facebook's by far the biggest social media network. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to search for people. They find us. It has a very high search engine optimization. So you search not just St. Louis Pickup Soccer, but search St. Louis Soccer mm -hmm. or search anything having to do with St. Louis and Pickup Soccer, and you find us. Search Emo's <laughs> Pizza Pickup Soccer. We will probably be the first person. <laughs> I <laughs> um, love that. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's... We don't have to do a whole lot of marketing. People just find that Facebook group. And when that took off, it was, I mean, it was like gangbusters. Games that would barely pool 10, 12 people together. We were filling the field at WashU, mm -hmm. um, later Cave Field, the Clayton High School's field, uh, Heeman Park, Shaw Park. We would have to struggle to fit between other games going on, kids' practices, or a football team shows up, and we're fighting for space, basically. Mm -hmm. So nice problem to have for pickup yeah but still a problem yeah i think it's one of the biggest problems in st louis is not having a full-size field to use regularly you know that anyone can go to and use um it's at least a turf field and a nice one for that matter yeah turf is is an issue i mean during the colder months during the warmer months i mean there's there's so many public parks um there are plenty of public schools that still do allow public use of their facilities mm -hmm. Though that's a matter more of in the nicer months, that's a matter more of the school not using it. Yeah, and um, I guess I guess when I say that, I'm actually I'm looking through this through the lens of the the Latin League. You know, I went to that final yeah. and I'm obsessed with it. I bring it up to everyone, um, but there are ties there in some ways, um, and it's more important for them to find a nice field, I think, than pick up soccer. You guys can work around it. I could. I, I don't need a perfect. Seem to be, uh, we seem to be pickier than a lot of organized soccer players. Really? <laughs> I mean, well, I, I guess I lump myself in with St. Louis Pickup now, but I was the same way. I love grass. Mm. I'll take clumpy grass over turf any day. Oh, no kidding. I don't care about a true bounce. We're not playing basketball. Stuart, what do you think? What's, where are you on this? Uh, I choose grass also. But no kidding. I, I would, I'm just curious. Out of all the parks in the city and the county that you've played in over the years, which park is your favorite to play on? Um, it, it's the the one where I run games, O'Fallon Sports Park, O'Fallon, Missouri. Right. It's Bermuda grass. Um, it's so it's dormant and light brown right now, and will be until May. Mm. But when it's in season, it's this lush green carpet, and it's free to play. That is where I grew up, like right there. Yeah. Before those were there, actually, but uh... yeah, yeah, when it was floodplain, yeah. Santiago, where do you where do you fall in this world? Uh, grass. Yeah. Grass. yeah. Okay. I, I didn't like growing up. Uh, like uh, I play a, played a lot of soccer, but uh, in Colombia, a lot of the fields are just uh, dirt. Mm -hmm. uh, very few grass besides the professional stadiums and things like that. That has changed a little bit, but uh, playing on grass, uh, the few times I play was kind of a privilege, and I really enjoyed it. Mm. And uh, I haven't played much on turf, but um, I would prefer grass. Okay, so even with the bumps, everyone's in, in agreement there. I guess at the the final, that, that league of final I went to um, was at the SLU Medical Fields. And, I mean, it's a great spot. It's incredible, like cool views and a, and a good hangout too. But um, all I heard all day was how terrible the field was, you know. But, you know, it's a final. It's some of the best amateur players in the city, you know, and so... Maybe it's a little bit different. I thought, you know, going to a turf field would be just good to have the same thing all the time. No crazy bumps, no crazy jumps from the ball that could affect the game. But 
I wonder if everyone would feel that way. It's a silly side debate we're having here, but uh, yeah. There's a lot of, I call them turf hounds. There's a lot of people who love turf. Mm-hmm. And I, they would probably, I would bet if you would pull the players in that league, they would prefer turf, which it sounds like. Oh, you think so? If they stay at the medical center, it sounds like they'll be getting here in the next couple of years. Oh, really? Um, that's on the, on the, that's part of the plan, but we'll see how soon that happens. Yeah. But, uh. But how do you see St. Louis pick up soccer? What, where where is it in the soccer pyramid in St. Louis, or is it at all? Is it just for fun? What it, what is the vibe at, at all of these meetings for the most part? The uh, so I I meant to take a uh, now vanished uh, soccer pyramid for the MLS team, <laughs> and uh, I meant to add pick up at the bottom of that yeah. as the true foundation of soccer. We I are agree. we are the most amateur of soccer. It's you. You can't get at a lower <laughs> level than this. I like that. Um, but in terms of quality, you have. I mean, we have guys who have played internationally. We have guys who played professionally, and and then we have people who are brand new to the sport. So, I mean, quality. You know, we have guys that compete. I mean, we have NPSL players who come out. So, mm-hmm. you go to Atletico games. Like, oh yeah, half of you guys come to our games. Yeah, that play with us. We know you. We know what you can do. Um, so I, I mean, quality we're higher than a lot, but uh, but we're the most grassroots of soccer. We're the we're at the at the bottom uh, in terms of closest to uh, sort of people powered soccer. Mm-hmm. So, oh sorry, David. Uh, it almost seems, from my perspective, that uh, pickup soccer is almost the heir apparent to the old you know CYC in the city style of. Everyone's involved. There's a lot of communal aspect to it. Would you Would you agree? Disagree? Or well, the way um, St. Louis pickup soccer is doing a lot to become that kind of a thing. Pickup soccer in general is not. Pickup soccer is very. It's very cloistered. It's very exclusive. Um, even you know. It, if you come to a St. Louis pickup soccer game, you'll see people from different nationalities and, as I said, different skill levels. But over time, as you see this churn of players, you'll run into some of the guys you lost years ago, and it turns out they're playing pickup, but they got their own thing going. Mm-hmm. The, the African players found each other and have their own games going. And that's, that's typical. It's, pickup soccer is traditionally very segregated, um, skill wise, neighborhood wise, it's it's you have to know the right people to be connected to it. Where, um, I mean, CYC was everything. It was, uh, and again, for those of us who grew up in that environment, it was omnipresent in St. Louis. Um, that's what we try to be. That's what St. Louis Pickup Soccer tries to be. But pickup in general, I, I unfortunately, it's not as unifying as we'd like it to be. Um, it's cool to find an open game where you just show up randomly and you'll be welcomed with open arms. That's not, that's not really the norm. Mm. Um, we're kind of defying trends by, by creating games that are like that, that are as open and as welcoming to people, different backgrounds, different skill levels. So how does it work if I'm a new player the first time I go? How does it work? Like, uh, like how do you pick teams and all of that? Uh, teams are semi-random. It's self-selected. So every single game, bring a white shirt, bring something that's 
clearly not a white shirt. We say dark or color. No stripes, no grays, no pastels. Um, and as people show up, you know, players look around. Some players will just go whatever color is needed. That's what they go on. Some players try to get on their friend's team. It happens. Oh, well. Um, and then you just play. And if things are uneven, some games, and I'll do this more at O'Fallon than other locations, if things are uneven, we'll switch things up. We'll grab a good player from yeah. the team that's dominating. Um, or especially breaking up groups that I found that people who show up together tend to have a similar playing style. So they're all they're all good or they're all bad, <laughs> and so I just I aim for those groups and break them up, and that seems seems to resolve any of those kind of issues. Thanks for asking that because I asked the same thing when I met everyone from you know that had done the pickup soccer regularly. They were talking about um, and, and to actually to, to bring in what you just talked about it being so segregated. Um, that's natural. It sounds very yes. uh, normal and not surprising to me, even though using. Uh, the word segregated makes it sound really negative, but it, it, it's just kind of something that happens naturally, like you said, basically. But um, I thought one of the coolest things that people would talk about where they were like, this is when it got, these were really good days, is they would meet somewhere at SLU, and it was just everyone who was everyone would show up. And, and if you knew someone who was pretty good, you'd be like, hey, make sure you go to this one. And and that was the opposite of segregated. It was like the Africans would come, the Bosnians, the white guys from the suburbs. Like everyone would come out, and and there would be definite like recruiting for the amateur league, you know. And and to me, that was like the really fun stuff. And that's what people were excited about was the non-segregated meetups. Yeah, the uh, I think yeah. I mean, segregated obviously has racial connotations, um, which is still also part of. Um, the pickup tradition. Uh, but there is still a, uh, I don't know what to call it, a, I was going to say discrimination, but that's even worse, uh, a discriminating factor at play in those games because to be invited, you have to be legit. <laughs> to be at one of those good games yeah. where you're going to rise to the top, where you could be 12 years old and invited out because you're that good, mm -hmm. or you could be, and again, th those are the games that attract the, it's guys that played pro. It's, you know, games I remember seeing Steve Petcher at these pickup games Dang. and seeing the Daryl Duran and Don Duran, who his older brother is actually a better athlete than Daryl ever was, but mm -hmm. didn't have nearly the success. And seeing these guys at these games, um, it's still about who you knew because you still needed a connection to that game, and it was not all players welcome because mm -hmm. you walked on, you couldn't hang, you, you were told. <laughs> Right, they so let you know where that's you what stood. I was at. Yeah. The uh, and so it's you know it's not you're not from our background, but it is mm. you're not at our level. So that's so those guys were talking about that situation I was talking about in one of those slew games, I guess, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, you need to come out sometime." I was like, "No, no, I'm terrible." I was like, "You don't have a place for me." They're like, "No, we let you play. We let you play. Maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> we, we let you play five minutes and then yeah, hey man, good job. How about you uh, sub?" Yeah, need a sub? <laughs> I'm sure that's normal. 
Um, yeah, any, any other thoughts about uh, pickup soccer? I know I was at that game with Vin, and so I think that's why like everyone knows Vin. Yes. And so everyone's walking up like, oh, this guy doesn't know about pickup soccer. He doesn't know about um, you know the amateur league. And so um, you know, I heard a lot about those stories throughout the day, so yeah. that was cool. And I really enjoyed it. It was just a whole side to St. Louis that I didn't know anything yeah. about. The, uh, this is one where we've kind of become a marketplace of soccer. Um, and I, I do like this aspect of St. Louis Pickup Soccer that kind of happened by accident. You drop in our Facebook group, and I, I think the, the top five or six posts right now are not even our own games because right. we're not really getting numbers for weekday games. Um, when we're desperate players, for players, I go straight to your website. Yeah, yeah it's, it's perfect. It's, it's players looking for teams and vice versa or people launching up leagues. Um, you know, the Metro East... Football Association started by a guy who was a regular at the East Side pickup games, mm. and he absolutely used those games to try to promote his league. And now it's it's legit. They're sanctioned. They get real refs, and they're adding divisions and adding days of the week. Um, you know, Veta. I you know we should get commission checks from Veta with how many players we send <laughs> our way. Um, some sort of finder's fee. I don't know. And then you and. You know, like you said, with recruiting at games, that happens at our games, too. Sure. Because, you know, talent identifies talent, and you you see that guy, like, are you on a team yet? Mm-hmm. More often than not, they say yes if they're that good, but if not, then you're their introduction to then the organized game. And yeah. So we introduce people to, to VETA and what's going on there, and Metro East and new league starting up called the St. Louis Premier League, I think is the name of it. going to try to do official soccer and futsal here in the city. Wow. Um, that should get started here soon. But, but Futs- yeah, we, we connect players in that kind of a way. Yeah. Which I enjoy. By the way, futsal court's going up in St. Louis a little bit more finally, so that's, that's a good start there. But um, the last thing I kind of wanted to bring up is, you know, I got this vibe that same day of, of like, there's this, like, pyramid in St. Louis that people don't even know about. And, and you guys are sort of toward the bottom of that, like, hey, let's get together and play, and then you recruit to a, a, a better pickup game, and then you you recruit to the league, the amateur leagues, and you bring in your ringers from that. And so there's, like, this idea in the United States where, like, players are falling through the cracks, and there's this definite idea in St. Louis where, like, some good players who don't have money are not getting their chances. And so that was my favorite part of the day is that, there, in my dreams, you know, a team and teams have like you said, Club Atletico are a bunch of these guys yes. are playing in these leagues. Um, uh, Maritza um, is like almost an all star team of, of of those leagues, <laughs> and that's a good thing, right? Like these guys should get on a higher platform. And what would be really nice is if they go to St. Louis FC, or if one of those two teams we just mentioned goes pro and they get eyes on them and scouts and and we get this pay to play model is not. We fight it a little bit, perhaps. You know, it, that's my dream, you know what I mean? But yeah. it, it's it's not impossibility, but it takes a lot of money. It's near impossible, isn't it? I see your face right now. Yeah. <laughs> Are these thoughts that have gone through your head, though, is a, you know, a dream? The, uh, well, it's, it's uh, two things. I mean, even even the best players in our games, we're, you know, we can't be a platform for that. Yeah. There's just no... The distance between us and, and I, even... A club Atletico, you know, those players weren't discovered 
at a pickup game. Sure. It's just, we're here, we have games a lot, and especially with, with Club Atletico, in locations that are more convenient to those players that, you know, are living in South City or South County. Um, the flip side of that is, I can't tell you the number of messages, and I'm sure the Luligans can say the same thing, the number of messages we get from players that want to go pro. <laughs> oh, no. That say, can you help me out? I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I can... I can help, I, and I can help you, but not help you go pro. Mm-hmm. I, I, you're asking way too much from someone that does not have the connections. Sure. The uh, and now and for somewhat obvious reasons, we get questions about the MLS team uh, because of our overlap between our organization and MLS for the Lou. But I'm not going to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. No, you go talk to them. Yeah. You want to work for them? Go ask them. It's, I'm not gonna pass this on every time I get a message like that. It's that guy at the pickup game. <laughs> it's like I call it the American Idol syndrome, where their moms think they're the best thing on the planet, and no one told them they weren't good. Yeah. So I have a very healthy view of myself in that way. Do you guys have any questions you ask of David before we kind of move on to St. Louis FC? Yeah, I'm uh, sp- speaking of St. Louis FC. How aware are the players or the people in the St. Louis Pickup Soccer Group about St. Louis FC, Maritza, Atletico? Can you tell us a little bit about that? The um, so I, I'm I tend to run games that have much more connected players than other games. The O'Fallon crowd is older. Um, they've been you know they've been to Lions games even if they're not necessarily fans. They've been to Maritza games. Um, you know, I, I know plenty of them who were AC St. Louis season ticket holders, that kind of thing. So they know it. Um, not a lot of support among the pickup players. And plenty, when you go to a more random collection of players, like in a more popular location like at WashU, um, yeah, most of them don't know about it and don't care. Hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it and they'll be like, oh, okay. Or eyes will gloss over. It's not Premier League. It's not what they want to watch. So is that what it is? That is, is it because it's not MLS and? Oh, it's and it's not even. I mean, it's just there's a lot of people that don't even care for American soccer. Mm-hmm. It could be it could be MLS. They wouldn't care. I mean, that's that's the reality. There's people mm-hmm. who will wake up at ungodly times in the morning to watch Premier League games that won't watch American soccer. Just how it is. Don't get me started, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go on all day about it. Um, yeah, I think we're going to take a break um, halfway because I just passed out new beers and we're going to pop them. <laughs> and uh, we'll be right back and we'll talk more about St. Louis FC. David's sticking around, so you stick around too. Actually, really fun stuff, really good things that we get to hint at but not tell you about uh, just to play it safe at the end there so um first thing um jeff ruder put out an article with uh the athletic uh, what a week ago something like that and the phrase um lent credence was put together with the team st louis fc not playing in 2021 and that was kind of the headline catcher he did not bury the lead in that way um but then the article moved on, and uh, this is where we kind of go to common sense, where we have the crazy reaction, which I think we'll expand on here. But then it went on to say 
there seem to be three or so options for St. Louis FC going forward. So one of them is that St. Louis FC could close its doors after this season. This could be the final season for St. Louis FC, the USL version, the independent USL version, uh, before MLS takes over in 2022. That is one option, okay? Um, in the article, other than that, you know, attention catcher there, um, which a good writer will, will do, he has to sell papers, as they say, um, was these three options that are not necessarily saying that that's going to happen. These are equal, they're presented equally outside of what I just said. They could sell the franchise, um, which Ottawa just did. Ottawa just sold their franchise to the Miami FC and usually get that a lot cheaper or at least a little bit of a discount on whatever it costs to be an expansion team in the USL. And so um, there are some expansion teams coming for USL Championship. One is Des Moines. Uh, one is Baltimore, and one is Pawtucket. So St. Louis FC could easily sell that franchise to them for um, just under $10 million, or at this point, $10 million if it's gone up from $10 million was the, the last uh, expansion fee I heard about in the USL. Another one could be that St. Louis FC plays in 2021, and they're used as a bridge to MLS. Uh, this is probably what we all hope and pray will happen. This is what every other MLS team has done to some extent, um, on different levels that I think we'll talk about. And then the other one is that STL, the St. Louis FC in Sacramento, could drop the USL League or United Soccer League One um, for 2021 as a B team, basically, um, and use it as a developmental league, um, which I would also take. Um, let's go to you, Stuart. You've been around the longest here. Um, how, did, how did this article or the news from this article strike you? Uh, well, there are always some rumors that go around on some things, and I I don't think the idea hasn't crossed a lot of people's minds. Certainly, I don't personally expect the club to stick around pl- past 2022, uh, but that's just my impression given that I don't think St. Louis will support both clubs, uh, and I don't think St. Louis FC really will probably draw more than a few hundred at Fenton once MLS team comes around. Uh, my first reaction was uh, frustration and anger, uh, to be honest. I mean, St. Louis FC have put you know, thousands of hours and thousands of dollars into over the last five years, and I kind of look at the next two years as kind of a, a send-off of sorts. So losing out a year of live soccer, and, and of course there's uh, Maritza and Club Atletico uh, but those seasons are definitely shorter. I mean, eight weeks compared to almost eight months. Uh, so uh, I'm I initially was angry, frustrated, and I hope they're not true. So that was my reaction. But Jeff doesn't typically kind of throw things out there unless he's heard something. Jeff's good. He's a professional at what he does. Uh, so there's definitely some smoke there, but I hope there's no fire there. Yeah, Santiago? Um, I was really disappointed. Um, maybe I am very optimistic about what's going to happen. Uh, my dream is always that... I agree with Stuart. I don't think St. Louis FC will be around in 2022, but my dream, and I don't know if this will happen or not, is that St. Louis FC could be integrated into the MLS team and and same thing with the academy. 
So I was a little disappointed when I when I read this article, especially not having soccer in 2021, like a long season, St. Louis FC, USL season. I think will be disappointed, disappointing, and I think will be a step back leading into 2022 for the uh, MLS team. But obviously there are rumors around there, and as as Stuart said. Um, Jeff uh, usually knows what he's talking about. He he's very well connected, so I'm sure there are some things going going on uh, behind the scenes. At the same time, I think the MLS for the Lou group also does things behind the scenes. So I will wait until there is an official announcement. Um, but yeah, it's it's disappointing and um, obviously a, a lot of uncertainty. But also thinking about the team that St. Louis FC is putting together for the 2020 season, it's hard for me to believe that this is the end, that this is the last season, but we'll see. Yeah, I think they were, I mean, part of what caught me off guard on that is I thought there were uh, a couple guys who we had signed who were on two-year contracts. I mean, I, I... think Ottawa had a few players who were signed for this year also so I guess that doesn't mean anything necessarily but it to me it was definitely a sign that the club intends to be around for 2021 yeah that crossed my mind too so yeah I didn't know that though that some guys probably are on two-year deals I was I've been wondering um David uh, let's establish your credentials here season ticket holder right you said oh yeah yeah so you're a big st louis fc guy yes we do a nerdy podcast so we don't have to give our credentials but i thought i'd, I'd give yours <laughs> before before i asked you what you thought about this situation yeah i'm in uh, i'm in the denial phase still um and i'm gonna stick with it for a while if, if anything i mean if you look at the other options that the that the article throws out it's everything seems like something that could happen in 2022. I don't I don't understand how an entire year without soccer helps anyone make this transition. I mean, I get my bet is MLS for the Lou has, you know, their development team will probably be League 1. That seems to be a push even on the USL side. Mm-hmm. And MLS teams seem to be okay having that be the level of their players because it's not it's not a bad league and it's growing and um, they can probably get away with maybe cheaper players on loan to take a look at them at that level um, and it's closer to academy than USL championship is but uh, but why but why can't that wait I don't yeah I mean going from Going from a USL championship team to nothing to MLS and USL League One doesn't make sense. Just play it out. Yeah. Play the next two seasons, and then whatever change has to be made has to be made. If St. Louis FC is not around, which it might not be, that's fine. But, I mean, at least play the, the last season that you have available to you. Yeah, I, I think that's the key phrase for me personally is like, it doesn't make sense not to. Um, we've seen what other teams have done, and and I think there is an argument, like, is it worth the money to do things like Nashville did, which is what, bring in guys like Derek Jones and Rios and and um, bring these guys who could be, you know, second and third string players with potential to be better. Um, is that paying off? Um, FC Cincinnati, you know, 
grabbed some guys that were a little better than USL level, and that didn't pan out too well. Um, but a lot of things didn't pan out well. But you know, there are so what I'm saying is there are arguments against it. But in my opinion, um, it still doesn't make sense. Why not use that in some form or fashion? Why not get some some eyes on potential players that you see five days a week, not just like tape of once a week or so during the season. Why not get guys in that you see every single day? Why not have a hand in their development um, in some form or fashion so that you're you're a little more prepared for 2022? I think it's a proven thing. And I, and I think the answer to that um, question, like why not keep it going, the reason it may not have been thought of at this point is this the same thing I keep hammering home is like, we just don't have a technical guy in in the organization to tell them that that's what they need to do. Um, and so I will say, Stuart, you weren't surprised. I was shocked because to me it's just like the opposite of what makes sense to a guy like me. And I know I have a, maybe I have a strange way of looking at things, but, um, you know, like we, it just makes sense to me to keep it, to keep it going. And um, the last little thing I'll say about this situation is, is I, I did talk to someone. My, my fir- and my first thought with that was I blame MLS. Like MLS is telling the, the organization, MLS for the Lou, who don't know a lot about soccer in my mind. You know, I'm like evil MLS is telling them to ignore the USL and start their own thing. Here's a list of academy people. Start your own academy. Don't even use the St. Louis FC Academy or Scott Gallagher, which is like, to me, is like nightmare city. That is the worst possible scenario. Um, Maybe they're saying things like, here's a bunch of coaches and technical directors, um, and then just start your own thing. Ignore the USL thing that's happening and just do your own thing. And I've been able to luckily... Um, the same day that article came out, I happened to talk to some people connected to, um, I'm not sure they want me to say who it is. So it's someone connected to an MLS, um, new expansion, a newish expansion that, um, came from a USL team. And they said, it's all, (laughs) I'm going to throw them under the bus in his opinion, which is biased. Um, it's all about the ownership. It's not about MLS. MLS is there to support the team, the franchise, and or the whatever it is, um, to help them be successful. So if they say, "Hey, I want to go, um, I want to use USL as a ramp to MLS," they'll say, "How can we help?" If they say, "Hey, I want nothing to do with this USL team over here. I just want to do my own thing and start new and fresh," um, MLS will say, "How can I help?" And so that's his opinion. That idea is now out there. Um, and so, in my opinion, if we throw away if we throw US, St. Louis FC uh, USL version in the trash, I think it's all going to be on the ownership. Um, and I still think that's a bad idea. That's all I, I think. I think that's all I've, I've thought of to say. Any other thoughts, Stuart? Uh, well, I think one element that we haven't touched on necessarily uh, yet is the relationship between the two leagues. And whereas the person, employee who works for that uh, unnamed MLS expansion team, uh, that might have been the case a year or two or even three years ago or whatever. USL and MLS seem to be shifting towards uh, a much more contentious relationship, shall we say. Hmm. Just kind of reading between the lines of some of their interactions. Uh, uh, Jake Edwards, when he talked 
talked about the potential expansions. He kind of uh, kind of danced around both St. Louis and Sacramento. Uh, rumors are that he wasn't particularly happy about Nashville being chosen uh, and not happy about Las Vegas. So the relationship between the two leagues might not be as chummy as it was a couple years ago. I don't think it was ever quite as uh, friendly as uh, they kind of put on. their two rival, not rival leagues, but they're two independent leagues that have their own goals in mind long-term, and MLS's goal long-term is more of a developmental structure for the lower leagues. I think USL wants to grow out into its own thing separately, and uh, I think eventually they're due to split at some point. I don't think we're there yet, but I think there definitely is some contention. And, um, I mean, if if you're a USL executive, you're going to want to get you know, St. Louis leaves the market because an MLS team moves in, you're going to want some sort of compensation for the, the team that you brought in. And uh, Nashville and, and Cincinnati, when they left, they brought their IP with them. And I, I think the rumored amount was 10% of their uh, MLS expansion fee was what they had to pay to, to buy that. So I don't know if that is still the case, or if that was ever the case. These are, of course, all rumors. Those are fees to leave, you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. fees that the uh, new MLS ownership group would pay to the USL front mm. office upon exiting to use that IP since all, I mean, an MLS needs to own all the IP mm-hmm. in the league since it's shared equally. So I I don't know how much actual... I guess leeway and function the the new MLS for the Lou ownership has on St. Louis FC existing, but it might not be entirely on them. But who knows at this point? They they don't always seem to have a, a clear direction as far as soccer operations yeah. go. It, I will argue that if they if they thought it was valuable, that they could use it. it oh, even, yeah, definitely. E- even in name and thought, you know, even in marketing alone, even if they disappear, which we all assume will happen, if they make it a clear transition, like, hey, we think this is great and we're going to use it to build in 2021 for 2022, like, that is a definite marketing thing that is, in my opinion, worked for FC Cincinnati. I tweeted that this week that someone wrote that. I think it was MLS Buzz, who I don't even like his tweets most of the time, but I thought he had a really good point that um, FC Cincinnati sucks on the field, but their fans are rabid, and they come out in numbers. Like, And they purposefully chose to have something huge in St. Lu- in uh, USL and then build it into MLS, and it worked. Like People in MLS came out to FC Cincinnati games and said, holy crap, this is like, this is a good thing they have going here. You know, I've done them. I've seen the March. I've seen the after game. You know, it's, it is awesome. They've got a good thing going, even though it's not good on the field. And so I hope that's something that maybe people will kind of grab onto or not dismiss because it is bad on the field. Um, yeah. What do you think? Simon? Yeah, there is a really good structure already in place here in St. Louis. Um, I was talking to somebody, uh, earlier this week uh, who uh, is very close to uh, St. Louis soccer and uh, one one point he brought up was um, if you are hired as the technical director of the MLS team 
would you prefer to start from scratch or go at, at least go and look at what's already in place and see what you can use? So that's a really good point. St. Louis ha already has a good structure going on and I think it will be a ways to just start from scratch and build its own thing. And, and the longer you wait before making something like this, you, you might have a coach like uh, Luis uh, with St. Louis FC where I, I think he's happy with the academy right now, but he's he's obviously a very good coach and he's, he's still young. Uh, if there's too long of a period of uncertainty, he might jump to maybe Chicago hires him for their academy yeah. or, or something. And, I mean, I really do feel like a guy like Luis has a spot in the future in the MLS academy or, or a guy like Tim Kelly who – I know he kind of has a lot of hats around St. Louis where he also does the goalie coaching for SLU. But, I mean, he's part of that uh, kind of goalie factory over at Gallagher that have, I mean, there's six goalies in USL from Gallagher and now I think three in MLS. So it it just feels like it would be silly to not take what's there. I mean, the, the number two overall pick in this year's MLS Super Draft is a guy who should, you know, in two years – be a homegrown player, an academy player. And, I mean, just kind of bang your head against a wall a little bit. And I think we're all on the same agreement there. It's Yeah, but it still helps. Maybe it's only therapeutic, but it still helps me to hear you say that phrase, which is, technical director, would you like to keep this or would you like to start from scratch? The answer's easy. It's so easy, to, in my opinion. And, like, not just from a biased uh, fan standpoint. It just makes sense. We took third in the U19DA in the freaking country last year. And a lot of that is Louis Swisher, like, for sure. But we have talented players. You have to in order to get that far in, in a competition like that. And um, to ignore it, even for this long, is, is almost idiotic. I'm sorry, I'm going to go that far. Uh, <laughs> we haven't heard from you in a while, David. What do you think? The uh, So to kind of switch train of thought here... Um, if you weren't at the town hall with the Luligans and St. Louis FC, uh, or if you were, go ahead and listen to the town hall again from this perspective. Imagine that the audience of what the front office at St. Louis FC was saying was MLS for the Lou, or MLS in general. Um, you look at how much Tom stressed the idea of, of expanding the pyramid of, and he wasn't talking MLS, he was talking St. Louis FC, expanding the pyramid, reaching more kids in, in the inner city, um, possibly maybe working with other clubs, though we'll see if they can ever do that. Um, and then, uh, what was it that, that Jim hinted at? But the, a lot of it sounded to me like a sales pitch for doing what, what we want to see happen is that St. Louis FC Academy at least the academy, maybe not the first team, but at least the academy has a place in MLS. Um, it cannot be. I don't think this is just the ownership. I think this is MLS saying this. It can't just be Scott Gallagher's super elite, which is essentially what the academy is right mm -hmm. now. It's just the highest level of Scott Gallagher. Um, it needs to incorporate more, but again, you, I, I can't even count on one hand how many times Tom said that's the direction they're going. Um, 
I, I think there's still a chance that we could see, even if the name and the brand disappear, that the structure that is at St. Louis FC um, is almost carbon copied, person for person, position for position, into an MLS structure. Plus outside hires that have maybe um, done things at a higher level in terms of preparing people for, for first division soccer. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I, I am hopeful that we'll see a lot of names that right now carry the St. Louis FC crest around on their chest that we'll see them in MLS. I think, I think that's likely. I hope you're right. I, I, I love that. I think we should end with that, to be honest. Um, and I'm, I'm going to hold on to that hope um, before we just move on. Let's just move on to St. Louis FC because um, we do have some academy players that are going to be playing this year. I think we've seen that Lawson is coming back at left back as an academy signing. Um, I think uh, Jansen Miller will be playing until he goes to college. Lawson's also going to college this year. Yeah, Lawson's a senior also, and none of these are official yet. They're just kind of right. Thank you. Guesswork, and uh, so the guys last year that were on the team, um, <clears throat> that I assume will, I mean, the ones on the team last year that are probably a pretty safe bet for this year uh, were Lawson, uh, Jensen, I believe Lucas Hummels was there for a while. Mm. Uh, of course, Patrick Schulte's gone. Kip Keller is gone. And Nietzsche graduated onto the first team, uh, but it's it's pretty typical that we'll have uh, five or six guys. Yeah, as I understand it, what's do you remember the right back's name? The young right back, Kyle. Yeah, Kyle uh, Genenbacher. Thank you. Um, that's a probability. Um, I don't think they mind us saying that. That's assumedly who's going to be on. I'm going to read the rest of the transfer tracker. Uh, Paris Guy is coming back. G? It's G, right? I do this every time. I say it wrong and then I say it right. I, I'm pretty sure it's G. Fenwell Kavita, Gaia Bend, uh, Russell Ciceroni, Kadeem Dakers, Joaquin Rivas is healthy as far as we can tell, uh, Nietzsche Vlastos, Tyler Blackwood, Kyle Gregg, Wall Fall, Ooh, Richard Ryan, I forgot about him. Um, Daniel Fisher, those are both fullbacks. I think one on the right, one on the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Morton coming from the Riverhounds. Uh, Jeremy Gagnon Lapare. Uh, that's the closest I can come. I took French. It's not the best, but that's close. <laughs> Sam Fink is back um, after a little bit of a waiting period he gave us. A little bit of a biting our nails sort of situation. And then uh, more Sam is coming from the Ottawa Fury. Um, another player has been teased. We've, uh, we're going to talk to um, Santiago and Stuart about how they went to training. Uh, there's a number 21 out there that um, is not official. He's been talked about probably more than he should. Um, but what we will say is that if he is who we think he is, and we're pretty sure he is, you guys should be very excited to have this center back on our rest- roster. And I think we can safely say that he's coming from a team that we've pulled from before and gotten reliable players from before. Um, several players have played under a certain coach. That's probably too much, but that's as far as I will go today. Uh, Santiago, I heard your story about going to training the other day. You went to the first day. I think you've been more than once. Tell us about it. I have been a couple of times. I couldn't make it to the first day, but uh, I was there um, yesterday. And this morning, 
Uh, yesterday, while I was there, um, I noticed there was a, a guy I had never seen. So um, I found out his name. Uh, couldn't really find anything else, but um, I went back um, home later and I said, oh, let me, let me Google players with this name. Um, <laughs> and I did that and I figured, okay, it, there is a good chance it is this guy based on the name I heard and <laughs> some things I heard about him, but I'm not really sure. Uh, I know the team is not going to announce him until February because he has a clause in his contract. Um, it's kind of related to him uh, trying for an MLS team. So um, that's, that's what I found, and I have a good idea of who uh, he could be. Um, I also heard um, on a radio show uh, where uh, some people from St. Louis FC were part of that they mentioned his name so everything tells me that it is him <laughs> uh, but I don't want to uh, go to St. Louis FC jail so I don't want to yeah, say right. his name we'd like them to still talk to us uh, so we will not actually say his name tell us about training though what did you see in training any thoughts on, on what you did see well it's, it's really early to tell but um, what I saw is that um, the coach has mentioned a few times that he likes uh, to play fast and dynamic and that he wants to uh, stress offense and that's what I saw. It looks like they have been working uh, a lot on offense. Uh, obviously, he wants to keep a focus on defense and it's good that this uh, player that we think is going to come um, will be there because he will be a good addition for the defense. But um, it's really early to tell uh, the guys, uh, especially with nine new guys that are all getting to know each other, getting to know the guys who uh, were on the team. Uh, personally, uh, really excited about seeing uh, Joaquin Rivas back. Mm -hmm. And uh, from what I heard from the coach in another, in another interview, he's also really excited about having Joaquin. So I think Joaquin is going to be a very essential part of uh, St. Louis FC this year. Yep. And I'll be watching where he's positioned as well for St. Louis FC. There are a lot of things we don't know. You only saw seven on seven, right? Yeah, it was mostly seven on seven. Uh, right before I left today, uh, they play uh, 11. Oh, 11, they did? But um, I didn't see much because I had to go. Mm -hmm. Stuart, what did you see when you went? Uh, so I went to the first training, so things might have changed a little bit since then. I know... Uh, uh, Tricia, I believe, last name, how it's pronounced. I, I'm really bad with his last name. But uh, <laughs> Coach Steve, uh, I know he was kind of around some of the trainings last year, but I, I thought it was really interesting on the first training just how his style was different than than Ant's style and, and also Precky's style and, and Dale's style. And uh, I'm very much an amateur when it comes to just having an eye for any of that kind of stuff, but it's just interesting that – he was off to the side for at least the training I saw uh, on the seven aside, and he wasn't super hands-on, whereas Ant was constantly giving instruction. He was he was instructing players. It, it was almost too much information for maybe some of the players to get, and uh, I, I think that was also kind of the, the video. I, I heard he's – I mean, Ant was really big on video review and studying – 
video, and, and obviously he did that himself. So I think he pushed other people to do it, and I think it just kind of knocked some people out of the rhythm last mm. year. Uh, so the training, I liked it. Uh, I'm I'm big on stats, so I kind of threw out what guys are leaving, what we're losing production-wise, and what we're gaining. Uh, and and I was kind of thinking about it just now, and what was a little silly about that is Todd Borton, midfielder, had six goals last year, and you know that sounds really huge and awesome, and obviously six goals is nothing to sneeze at. But I think five of those six or four of those six were on penalties. And he's going to be probably not the designated penalty taker here, or that'll, you know, take away from Sam if Sam's no longer doing that. Overall, I'm always excited. I'm always optimistic. Uh, I I would love to see an offensive juggernaut of a team. I think this new center back will be our starter, and I think Fan is really strong as well, and. And, and Richard and, and Daniel Fisher and who where does Paris slot in and to me the most two we've already talked about Rivas who I think is just absolutely phenomenal I I hope by the end of the year he'll be back in the El Salvador national team picture uh, but the guy I'm really interested where he slots in is uh, Jeremy uh, because he he was in, announced as a fullback but he also played forward and winger and midfielder for Ottawa <laughs> in addition to, I think, right back and center back. So he's kind of played everywhere. So where he fits in the team, I'm really curious about. Yeah, he. I, I've seen him play with Ottawa, and um, Ottawa had just a couple players that were just like, uh, just watch out. He's a hothead, and he works hard, and he's not going to back down. Um, so it, I don't think it matters where he plays. Um, kind of. In fact, you know what's interesting is to compare him to Jim Burt over at Colorado Springs Switchbacks. That guy played all those positions you just mentioned, and he's similar. He's a really good leader. He's an older guy as well, and so. Um, La Perea is, I think, going to be one of our favorites of the year, quite possibly what uh, a Luligan player of the year. I don't know if that's what they call it, but um, we're going to like him. We're going to like him a lot. He's, he's, a, he's a great player. Um, yeah, go ahead. This week, obviously, that doesn't mean much, but he was playing left back uh, the couple of sessions I was. The thing uh, about it is like, that's where we need him, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. is we have two really young guys who may step up, but even G, you know, like – Fullback's a little weak right now, unless one of those guys really proved themselves, for sure. I might have cut you off there. I don't know if you... Okay. No, no, no. Um, David, what do you think? What, what are you looking forward to this year, as far as the change and, and, and the players coming in? When uh, So when that first list of returners was put out, um, I, I was psyched. The it Almost person for person, my wish list of returners. Hmm. Um, I really wanted Sean Reynolds back. And there's one on the list that I didn't want back, but that's fine. Um, but otherwise, it, it certainly seemed like the trend was uh, that these were the players more comfortable with the ball at their feet than the other half of the team that didn't get that didn't return. And I, I saw that as a sign as possibly playing a more possession style. Hmm. Um, you know, we've played this you know, hit and run or whatever you want to call it, a very counter-heavy, depending a lot on on set pieces and corners 
Um, you know, I, you know, Coach Steve said a lot of goals come from that, and that's true. That's true even in the Premier League. But the best teams, you know, Louisville comes here and plays tiki-taka around us, and their, their fullbacks play one and two touch possession out of pressure. Mm. And we've never seen that from St. Louis FC. Um, I'm hoping we become one of those teams that we can score out of possession, that we can maintain possession, mm. that, that I'm not freaking out when a fullback gets the ball at their feet, and that we're not, you know, that I, I don't want to instinctively yell, just kick it down the field because that's mm. not good soccer. Um, and with the signings that we've added, with very few exception, we've you know we've added players that I think can play that way too. I think we can see some really, really a more sophisticated style than what we've we've had in the past here. I'd I'd be a little scared, but I will say that Chuchu. I saw some quotes from uh, them being on. Um, oh gosh, five ninety the fan five fifty. Um, sorry. Um, the big sports show, um, for sure, is, is the show they were on. And he was saying that this is a really talented roster and that we should be excited about it. So he has faith in them. He is also the coach, so he's probably talking them up a bit. But if you look at this, the roster and the guys I just named off and, and the center back we're going to get, I mean, we can push some guys forward. We can take some chances. So um, we can do it. And at times you have to do that. You have to possess the ball. So even if you don't want to, I think we were. it was detrimental to us that I think we – Looked pretty bad with the ball at times in, yes. in previous seasons. Maybe every previous season, for that matter. Teams that knew how to play against us dropped back. Yeah, and they watched us. Right, give take the ball, the ball away, please. Yeah, and you know they basically did to us what we did to other players. Exactly. Other teams. I mean, Chicago wasn't ready for us to do that, but they were good enough. If they were, they could have. Yeah. I mean, they could have. They were just the poorly coached. Like yes. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't ready. The, uh, no. Uh, the kind of an interesting thing. So the parents of the the dad of one of our pickup players that I, I played with a lot happened to be in Chicago quite a bit and ran into a bunch of the team and they were this was just in the lead up to the Open Cup game and they asked, "Is the team good?" He said, "Yes, yes, they're a good team. They can beat you." <laughs> and uh, and he said they they didn't take him seriously. Huh. And it's like, no, that's I mean that's your loss, literally. Um, but yeah, I mean we've seen. Lower quality teams come away with good results against St. Louis FC because they know what our strengths are and they know all they need to defend against. Yeah. Um, and possession. We were almost we were almost made for the Open Cup, to be honest. Yes. We were made to defend and, and mm-hmm. take on teams better than us. So it's not a big surprise that we did so well in the Open Cup. Um, but that, that our past teams have been built for streaks, mm. which are incredibly fun. I mean, you look at the beginning of last year. I don't know how many. Was it six games, seven games in? We were still number one, something like yep. that. Yeah, it was quite a. It was quite a yeah. few. Not a, a short amount of time into the season. It's crazy. That we were up there, but you know, and I think that style of play lends it to that, where you can string together this. When you get that momentum and that they get that rush and they're just feeling it and the mojo's there, you go on this several game streak. Um, but I think that style of play of defending so much on counters, um, I think it's less consistent in terms of where you're going to see goals, where you're going to see 90 minutes of quality play, game after game after game. 
And and I think having a, a coach who's a bit more experienced can kind of level out those streaks, both good and bad, compared to maybe Ant, who's a bit more, you know, fresh, inexperienced. Yeah, green. He's he's not quite tested. So, I mean, that's my hope at least coming this season that we're not going to hit a two month period where we go without a home win again. Yeah, I, I think the experience really is. I, I like that you said it, level it out. Um, less streaky. Um, I want to go back to what you said because um, I don't think you elaborated. You're big on stats and you were big on what we lost versus what we brought in. So can you elaborate a little more on that? I, I, we lost. Let's talk about who we lost. Lewis Hilton is a huge one, maybe the biggest one. Yeah, just on a on a pure stat perspective, Lewis was definitely our free kick specialist last year. And he had four goals uh, and I believe he had four assists. Um, or three assists last year. And we lost him. We lost, uh, I think, Caleb Calvert was our second biggest scorer that we lost, and he had two goals. Two goals. Albert Dequa had one goal in league play and one goal. Or did he have one goal in the Open Cup? No, just one goal in league play. And uh, then we also lost Matt Boehner. As far as I think, those were the only players we lost who scored. Boehner got some assists as well. I think uh, actually. Yeah, I thought Boehner played pretty well last yeah. year at, at times. Um, and that one goal was, of course, the absolute bomb he had against Hartford in the game we lost. Yeah. But and Calvert, as much as I disliked his production, is the phrase I will use. Um, got us three points in Nashville. So yeah, I, I watched. Speaking about grace. that open cup, I, I rewatched some highlights and some of the game of the uh, St. Louis FC versus Chicago open cup, and Calvert should have had a couple goals in that <laughs> yeah. game. And I, if we would have lost, I think I would have pulled my hair out because <laughs> uh, he he should have really put some in. I, at least he had two pretty good opportunities, yeah. but and we replaced him with more Sam. If mm. if you look at our, our forwards going into this year compared to our forwards going in last year, and I love Dequa, and uh, I was excited about Calvert, and Greg of course was coming off thirteen goals, uh, those were our top three forwards last year, and this year going in we have Blackwood, Greg, and now more Sam. I just feel like that they're more talented. At least mm. they're more proven at the USL level, and uh, that alone is exciting. Of course. Cicerone is amazing. Yeah. Uh, if Dakers can kind of show up and be the great player he can be all season and not just a month and a half at a time, uh, our wings are set. Uh, and then it's just Wharton looked amazing at times with uh, the Timbers. I mean, it, maybe I'm just being overly optimistic, but I just really like this team so far. I do too, and and the forwards are what I like to focus on when I want to feel good about the team because um, more Sam is someone I've been asking for for like two years. You know, like he's he's a more polished Dequa with all the physical attributes on top of that to to match Dequa. Um, he's worse than Dequa. It's a few things, but um, he's a lot better than Dequa in a lot of other ways. And so I'm super excited. I think coming in this off season. Um, I think Greg's um, potential was killed a little bit by the style of play and, and, and even the kind of talent that our midfielders brought in last year. Um, and so 
even saying that, I think I wanted Greg to be our third man out for the most part. Where if Greg is our third striker, then we're looking pretty damn good. You know what I mean? Like we're not bringing Calvert in. Um, you know, for that we're bringing in Greg at the end of a game, um, or he starts, and then we bring in Sam to just burn everybody when they're tired. You know, like so many options for uh, Coach Steve to, to to play with. I'm really excited about that. Um, we all know that Wallfall is just a smart player in general who um, can replace in a lot of ways what Lewis did. He's a good free kick taker, um, not from the corners as much, but um, we're going to be okay there, I think. And um, Certainly shooting from the free kick. Yeah, that's going to be productive for if him. If not, maybe not the service. So we may need someone else for for that long service, open, open yeah. cup style, or for corners. Yeah, open cup style. I do think the fullbacks, I think, are that's kind of what they're thinking for those guys, for yeah. sure. Um, they seem to be pretty good at that. But, again, highlight reels kind of show you the best that they got. But um, I'm excited, too. Any other thoughts on, on the team? Excitement? Disappointment? I'm excited, too. I think there is a lot of talent uh, on the offensive side. I think uh, Coach Steve is going to have a problem, a good problem to have uh, when when it comes about choosing who's going to start. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's going to have a, a lot of talent available and he can mix it up in different games, uh, also change it up change it up during games, which is something I think uh, the team lack of um, last year. We, we just talked about that. It was basically the same style of play every game. And if teams knew how to play that style, we didn't do anything. Uh, so I think there is a lot of talent uh, also on the defensive side, uh, good talent. And uh, I think this team is going to be very balanced. And with the experience the coach has, I think uh, he's going to be able to make changes and adjust as needed. Yeah, the uh, Ant had given an interview um, about a year and a half ago where he mentioned one of the big struggles in professional sports is when you have so much, when you have depth is keeping everyone happy. Um, this happened to be, I think maybe a week or two before they announced that, that we were losing Valeski. Uh, I hope we don't see another Valeski Herzog Greg situation. And we do see, um, you know, three competent forwards. I mean, productive forwards that can find a place in the rotation and, buy into it and make things happen, whatever role they're asked to play. But, I mean, again, that's not a guarantee. These guys, they do this for a living, and so understandably they want the playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as Stuart is alluding to, I'm, um, I have no problem as far as players we, we didn't bring back, um, again, other than Sean Reynolds. Um, and that's not even necessarily – I just want him for the academy. Mm. Uh, the next team that signs him, you got your, you, you have your next academy coach. I yeah. mean, you know, invest in him, give him, you know, one year contract, two year contract, and pay for his, his coaching pipeline, and he's yours. I mean, he's, yeah. we know he, he's a, a proven commodity of, I mean, instantly connecting with young players. They love him, and I, I just wanted to see that. But other than that, um, I, I didn't want to see. Him. Lewis Hilton returned. I, I know it might not be popular among oh, really? what fans, but I didn't. Um, Tell us why. This is great. I we're gonna end on this thought. <laughs> he's um, 
He's the, the quintessential, you know, 2018-2019 St. Louis FC player. He is the, you know, set pieces are his thing. And counters, he can deliver that, that long ball to, you know, to a Dequa, to a Greg, to a, a Blackstone. Um, or Blackwood. Blackwood, you got it. You're good. Uh, but, again, possession game is not there. He's more comfortable, you know, he was way more comfortable with the ball at his feet in 2019 than he was at 2018. When the oh, yeah. fall went out, he was, I mean, a deer in a headlight with the ball coming at him. Um, but he's still not, you're not going to see the kind of movement through the middle that you'll see from a, a wall fall. I think he more than replaces him in everything other than services mm-hmm. on set piece. Um, and again, I hope to see that. I hope to see a more sophisticated style where we see more through balls instead of um, what was, I mean, just kind of the professional version of kick and run, which is what we, we did. We were good at it. We could rush as well as any team and clearly better than a couple of MLS teams. But, uh, but I just hope for better, and I don't think Lewis Hilton fit into that type of a system. Well, you heard it here. Uh, David Simpson hates all British players, Lewis Hilton especially. Uh, you can find him at. No, uh, thanks, David, for coming. Um, everyone, if, if you're looking to play soccer, if you're looking to get in shape, and soccer's a good way to do it, um, if you're a good soccer player and you'd like to be found, that's a possibility, albeit very small and slight. He just made an ugly face at me for saying that. Uh, where can people find St. Louis Pickup Soccer? Um, best way, just Google us. St. Louis Pickup Soccer, um, spell it anyway. You'll find our Facebook page. Um, we're on Twitter, and I think these ads still work on Facebook, STL Pickup Soccer, um, all one word, on Twitter, Facebook, and then we have a Facebook group that that'll point you to. Awesome. Thanks for coming tonight. Yeah. Enjoyed your story. Enjoyed your thoughts on the team as well. From Santiago Beltran, Stuart Hultgren, Phil Grooms here. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.